everybody, welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd, the Digital Media Editor at Heart. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Claire Taylor, who is an academic GP from the University of Oxford. Claire and co-authors have written an original research paper which is all about the levels of NT pro BNP and BNP at the time of heart failure diagnosis and the risk of hospitalization and death at 1, 5 and 10 years following that. We have a great discussion all about the diagnosis of heart failure, optimal pathways for diagnosis, and what we can do better. I hope you enjoy the interview. We might start off then, um, Claire, if I ask you to introduce yourself for the heart audience, uh, who are you and where do you work? So my name's Claire Taylor. I'm a GP in the Midlands and I'm an academic clinical lecturer at the University of Oxford. And my main research interest is heart failure diagnosis. And Claire, I wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about a paper that you recently published, which is called Natriuretic Peptide Level at Heart Failure Diagnosis and Risk of Hospitalisation and Death in England, 2004 to 2018. Um, could you give us a little bit of background to this study, um, what's been published in the area up to now and what was the missing pieces of data uh, that you wanted to try and fill in with your study? Yeah, so um, we know that there's almost a million people in the UK living with heart failure and around 200,000 will be newly diagnosed each year. It accounts for three to four percent of the NHS budget. Um, largely the cost of hospitalizations and the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence recommend patients presenting for the first time to their GP with symptoms which might be heart failure such as breathlessness, tiredness, ankle swelling should have a natriuretic peptide test and if that level is raised they should be referred to cardiology to rule in or rule out a diagnosis of heart failure. And particularly if the natriuretic peptide level is high, for example, if NT pro BMP is more than 2000, that process should happen within two weeks, according to the NICE chronic heart failure guideline. Okay, and um, what has been published in this area up to now in the area of um, sort of levels of of risk uh, relating to uh, NT pro BMP levels at diagnosis? Um, So... We have looked at at overall survival of patients with heart failure in primary care um, and our survival analysis showed that um, it was published in the BMJ in 2019 that actually um, survival hasn't really improved much in the last 20 years despite NICE guidance coming out in 2003-2010 and then an update again in 2018 and we know from some analysis of GP data and our own qualitative work that diagnosis is quite often delayed but there wasn't really any detailed work around level of natriuretic peptide at diagnosis and subsequent outcome. Okay. And what was the hypothesis of your work? What did you think might be the case before you started? So um, as a GP, I am familiar with patients presenting quite um, with quite severe symptoms, a very mm. high BMP and actually ending up in hospital to get their diagnosis. So we wanted to look at the association between the natriuretic peptide level that we're getting in primary care and what happens in terms of hospitalizations and short and long-term survival for these people. Okay. And uh, what methods did you use to try and answer those questions? 
So we're very fortunate in having access to the Clinical Practice Research Data Link, um, which is a large anonymised database of primary care records. Um, and we've got linkage to both secondary care data and Office for National Statistics mortality data. And this allowed us in the study to look at over 40,000 people with a new diagnosis of heart failure over a 14 year period between 2004 and 2018. And I should say that this is in the UK. This is UK uh, general practice data, isn't it? That's right. Yes, it is. And um, how robust is that data source in terms of its completeness, missing data, that kind of thing, as far as you're aware? Yeah, so um, the data in CPRD are collected as part of a routine consultation with a general practitioner. So the main purpose of the data collection is clinical care. Um, but CPRD um, assess all of the practices to ensure that their records meet certain quality standards before they're included in the research database. And actually the amount of missing data is very small as you'll see reported in the paper. Um, and I think these data really provide a powerful way of understanding what's happening in real life, real world general practice. And can you give us a rough idea as, as to how many general practices are involved in this database in terms of supplying the data? Is it is it a large percentage of the UK GP practices or, or is it a, a small percentage uh, of highly trained research practices? How does it how does it look for the non-expert in this area, particularly people listening from overseas? Yeah, so so there's over a thousand practices in CPRD. So it's around um, fifteen percent of the UK practices are included in CPRD. And some previous work by other research groups has shown that it is actually largely representative in terms of socio-economic diversity and other demographics. So I think it really does give us a snapshot of what's happening in the UK as a whole. So the practices are geographically spread, as you say around the UK areas of deprivation and areas of less deprivation etc yes yeah absolutely okay um and just repeat again if, if you don't mind the time span um that you covered in in this uh, in this work yeah so we looked at um, patient records starting at the beginning of 2004 and went all the way through to the end of 2018 okay and what were your headline results so um as I said, we had 40,000 people with a natriuretic peptide test in primary care and a subsequent diagnosis of heart failure. And we found that over half of these patients were hospitalised in the year following diagnosis. But what we also found was that people with a high natriuretic peptide level, so for example, NT-PRO above 2,000 picograms per mil, um, they were twice as likely to be admitted compared to those with just a moderately raised um, natriuretic peptide and similarly, when we looked at survival, that was um, poor, but it was actually much worse in those with a high baseline natriuretic peptide level. So again, with an NT-PRO above 2000, the short and long-term survival rates, um, there was a 50% higher risk of heart failure-related death at one, five and 10 years. Wow. And just so um, I'm just getting my head around those results. Um, so almost half of the patients within one year end up in hospital. Yeah, in fact, slightly over, so 55% of patients were hospitalised within 12 months of having a heart failure diagnosis. So I think that explains why it's such a large proportion of the NHS budget, because these patients are unstable and being admitted to hospital frequently. But we know actually the people most likely to be admitted to hospital were those with a very high NT-PRO or, or BMP level. 
And are those hospital admissions all related to heart failure or were they just anything, as it were, that you, you noticed? You, you look for a hospitalization in the next 12 months and if you saw one, you, you took that as a, as, a, as a positive in your study? So we did both. So overall hospitalizations were up 20% in the high natriuretic peptide group. Um, but in the um, heart failure related hospitalizations group, which we looked at specifically, it was up 225% in those with a high natriuretic peptide compared to those with a moderate. So these really are high risk people that are very likely to end up in hospital within the next few months after diagnosis. And I think that's important because we need to focus particularly on these people in terms of diagnosis and treatment. So what would you say are your conclusions from the study? So I think we've shown that um, high natriuretic peptide level at baseline is associated with an increased risk of particularly heart failure related hospitalizations and poor survival. And this is really the first time that this question has been addressed specifically. And with such a large data set, I think we can be very confident of our conclusions. And you noted there when you were describing the study that uh, you talked about the NICE guidelines relating to BNP and heart failure. Were these adhered to um, within this cohort or what, what, what did you find from, um, from looking at this in that cohort in terms of um, whether guidelines were adhered to and whether people were referred and seen within the recommended time period? So we did find that, that those numbers were outside the recommendations. So overall, the guideline recommends if, for example, NT pros above 400 picograms per mil patients should be seen within six weeks. Um, and we found that that was a lot, a lot longer. So it was an, a median of 72 days between MP test and, and diagnostic code um, for patients overall. But actually in the high risk group, so those with NT pro above 2000, they should be seen and diagnosed within 14 days. And we found it, the median time was double that, so 28 days. And when you say seen and diagnosed, you mean with an echocardiogram effectively? Yeah, so the NICE guideline pathway recommends both imaging with echo and also being seen by a specialist to confirm and explain the diagnosis to the patient. Normally in, in a rapid access heart failure clinic, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I ideally, yes. Okay. Yeah. okay, so quite sobering results really. Um, and it's interesting that you say that the, the mortality relating to a high end NT pro BMP or BMP hasn't really also changed um, <laughs> over the last few years, to, even despite these new treatments that we've got. Um, what do you think we could be doing better? Uh, what are the sort of takeaways for the audience? Uh, any advice for policymakers uh, after having done this work? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what what our data shows is that there is a real need to identify, diagnose and treat these patients early, particularly those with a very high natriuretic peptide level. And we know in cancer, we have access to two-week wait pathways. So if I see a patient as a GP with symptoms, which could be cancer, I refer them and they're seen within two weeks. Um, and we don't have that sort of mandatory pathway. It's recommended in the NICE guidance. But as we've said in our data, that that isn't being achieved in reality. Whereas if we had specific two-week wait heart failure pathways, then we could potentially start to diagnose these people quicker, initiate the treatments that we know work earlier and prevent them being hospitalised and also potentially improve their long-term outcomes. I know there are some practices in the Cambridgeshire area which now have echocardiogram 
uh, machines within the practice. I wonder if, if the appetite nationally is for that, or do you think it's better to try and increase the number of heart failure specialists in secondary care and get these patients seen there? Or do you not really have a view on that particularly? Uh, no, I, I do. I think heart failure is quite a, a complex diagnosis and it's a, a it's a diagnosis with, with a lot of implications for the patient. So I think echocardiogram is part of the diagnostic pathway and really important. Mm. Um, but also having those cardiology expertise to um, both determine what type of heart failure, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Is there valvular heart disease there? Is there arrhythmias contributing? And really explain that in detail to the patient is important in, and patients need that time and space to let the diagnosis sink in. And as I was on the NICE guideline group and one of the recommendations were actually an extended appointment at the point of diagnosis so that patients can really understand um, what they're being told. And a follow-up appointment is also recommended to allow further questions when they've let it all sink in a bit. That's a really good idea. And I hadn't realised that, that that was the case. So you're talking about more more like a a 30 minute appointment rather than the traditional 10 or 15 minute new patient yeah so I think we said a double appointment so yeah just something that's a bit longer and potentially with a heart failure nurse specialist um, as well or instead of a cardiologist just Mm. to really get that information across because I think there is quite a lot of misunderstanding still around the diagnostic label of heart failure itself absolutely yeah a a lot of places are trying to move to heart function clinics aren't they rather than heart failure clinics I've seen that as Mm. well um, I, I'm assuming that similar kind of work has been done in other countries. Would that would that be fair to say, or would you say that UK is at the vanguard of kind of using uh, pro BMP to to stratify patients? Yeah, so there's surprisingly little work elsewhere. Um, I think because the NHS has a very strong primary care foundation, um, that's probably why we use BMP to determine who gets referred to specialists and and how quickly that happens. Um, The Dutch have done some work which was published um, in BJGP Open around natriuretic peptide testing use within Dutch general practices. And there are some diagnostic accuracy studies which have been done looking at at the sensitivity and specificity of, of natriuretic peptides. But this is really the first time that anybody's looked on this wide scale of what happens to people dependent on their natriuretic peptide level in primary care and I think that's some important data for as you say policymakers when they're planning pathways for diagnosis and treatment for heart failure this is hopefully a warning sign that we need to shine a light in this area and, and really improve things to avoid people landing up in hospital when potentially they might not need to. And what's the next step for your for your research group Claire have you got um, other other work ongoing that you can talk about briefly? Um, Yes, so our main focus is is, um, using CPRD to look at natriuretic peptide use in primary care, but we're also doing some qualitative work as well, just looking at the patient's journey through this diagnostic pathway. In my own doctoral work, I interviewed patients within a year of diagnosis to understand their experience. And we're sort of following up on that to see where the gaps are and how we can potentially improve that whole journey. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Taylor. It's been a real pleasure to to chat to you. Um, I will make the paper free if it's not already free uh, for a few weeks after the podcast comes out. Thanks very much for your time. 
Thank you. Thank you.